Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest uh, Nicholas Barrett. He's an inventor. He's got this new product called Cord Brick. So interesting. We'll speak to him about that. Also, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Phil Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. Democrats want to raid Medicare. Why? We'll find out about that. As well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is July the 22nd, and on this day in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln informed his chief advisors and cabinet that he would issue a proclamation to free enslaved people, but added that he would wait until after the Union Army has achieved a substantial military victory to make the announcement. Attempting to stitch together a nation mired in a bloody civil war, Abraham Lincoln made a last-ditch but carefully calculated executive decision regarding the institution of slavery in America. At the time of the meeting with the cabinet, things were not looking good for the Union. The Confederate Army had overcome Union troops in a significant battle in Britain, and France were set to officially recognize the Confederacy as a separate nation. The uh, issuing of the uh, Emancipation Proclamation had less to do with ending slavery than saving the crumbling Union. In an August 1862 letter to New York Tribune, editor Horace Greeley, Lincoln confessed, "...my paramount object." In this struggle is to save the Union, and it is not either to save or destroy slavery. He hoped a strong statement declaring a national policy of emancipation would stimulate a rush of the South's enslaved people into the ranks of the Union Army, thus depleting the Confederacy's labor force on which it depended to wage war against the North. As promised, Lincoln waited until uh, unveiled the proclamation until he could do so on the heels of a successful Union military advance, on September the 22nd, 1862, after a victory at Antietam, he publicly announced a preliminary emancipation proclamation declaring all enslaved people free in the rebellious states as of January the 1st, 1863. Lincoln and his advisors limited the proclamation's language to slavery in states outside of federal control as of 1862. The proclamation did not, however, address the contentious issue of slavery within the nation's border states. In his attempt to appease all parties, Lincoln left many loopholes open that the uh, civil rights advocates would be forced to tackle, of course, in the future with the 14th Amendment and so many other things. Nevertheless, a great day for President Lincoln, showing his strategic approach uh, to dealing with uh, politics and policy. While we wish Joe Biden a fast and full recovery from the coronavirus, let's not forget that all COVID misinformation has been spread for years. In fact, it's a fit of irony. No one would believe in fiction. It was exactly one year ago to the day that Biden told the country the COVID vaccination would protect you from being infected. On July 21st, 2022, the White House announced that the twice vaccinated and twice boosted Joe Biden had the coronavirus. 
On July 21, 2021, Joe Biden told the country that vaccinated could not get the coronavirus. Biden spread that blatant misinformation during a CNN town hall event. Naturally, the CNN uh, moderator, Don Lemon, or Lemon, or whatever he pronounces it, did not challenge the correct, or to correct Biden. Earlier in the event, Biden admitted the vaccinated could get COVID, but then spread this misinformation. And so when I say to people who are worried about the new pandemic is get vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you're not likely to get sick. You're probably going to be symptom, uh, symptomless, he said. You're not going to be in a position where you, if you, uh, your life is in danger. Three months after he made the claim, 10,587 fully vaccinated Americans, over 10,000, died from the coronavirus. Fully vaccinated. This wasn't the end of Biden's misinformation campaign. In December of 2021, he falsely claimed that the vaccinated could not spread the coronavirus. The fact that the White House is now quarantining Biden proves that that's untrue. Of course, the vaccinated can catch and spread the Chinese flu. During the 2020 presidential campaign, Biden repeatedly lied about Trump's coronavirus vaccine, that the vaccine was being rushed, that we couldn't trust it, etc. Biden came into office with a miracle vaccine already developed and being shipped out nationwide. Nevertheless, more people in less time died under Biden's watch than Trump's. Biden's misinformation is, as Biden himself might say, not a joke. (laughs) Uh, Well, we hope he does recover quickly. Uh, It also provides a nice shield for him to hide behind, not making public appearances uh, during, how long is this going to take, 10 days, two weeks? We'll see. By the way, I guess this is going to lead to him canceling his trip to Orlando and Tampa, which he had planned uh, next week. Here's President Biden's plan. He will be implementing a number of executive actions focused on combating climate change. Biden's executive actions come after Senator Joe Manchin reportedly said he will not support a package before the midterm elections, which include any provisions on energy and climate with his spokesperson saying that the mansion wants to avoid taking steps that could fuel to uh, add fuel to the inflation fire. Thank you, uh, Senator Manchin. Included in the executive uh, actions is an effort to protect communities from extreme heat and dangerous climate impacts, which includes $2.3 billion in funding for federal emergency management agencies building resilient infrastructure and communities program in 2022. Whatever all that means, it sounds like a waste to me. It's intended to help communities increase resilience in heat waves, drought, wildfires, flood, hurricanes, and other hazards by preparing before disaster strikes, according to the White House. The executive actions by Biden also include an effort to lower cooling costs for communities who are suffering from extreme heat, as the White House is issuing guides that will assist states, tribes, and territories in their funding for community cooling centers, as well as uh, helping people within the communities get access to cooling equipment. Hey, what do you say we go over to the center there for cooling (laughs) and hang out for a little while? It's awfully hot. What is this all about? It's unbelievable. Additionally, the Biden administration will consider potential wind power projects in the Gulf of Mexico. I repeat that, in the Gulf of Mexico, which are being proposed for off the coast of Galveston, Texas, and off the coast of Lake Charles, Louisiana. The White House estimates the projects have the potential to power over 3 million homes with clean energy. Chop a bunch of birds all up, but nevertheless, Biden is also directing the Secretary of the Interior to advance clean energy development on the coasts of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina to ensure that these Southeast states will be able to benefit from the good paying jobs in the burgeoning offshore wind industry. 
This is an emergency, an emergency. And I will look at it that way, said Biden. I, will, I said last week, I'll take it and say it again loud and clear. As president, I'll use my executive powers to combat climate change. The climate crisis in the absence of congressional action, he said. A senior White House administration official said that the climate crisis is an urgent challenge, adding that what has already been unleashed in terms of climate is devastating. It was a hot week. Uh, well, several hundred million people, I guess, were in a heat wave uh, this, this past week. But that's weather. That's not climate. And if you really investigate this whole climate thing, it is a farce, to be sure. Remember, we're, all the polar bears are supposed to be disappearing and uh, the ice melting in uh, uh, Greenland, and uh, it just hasn't transpired. But they're still saying it. Chicken Little, sky is falling. Washington Mayor Bowser, Miriam Bowser, says asylum seekers are being tricked with fake free bus rides that don't get close enough to their final destinations, leaving many at Union Station near the U.S. Capitol and the White House. Under pressure to provide financial support, Bowser says she wants the federal government to help. The city council told the mayor last week that volunteer groups are burned out and overwhelmed. Now that the border has come to D.C., it's our responsibility to meet the moment, the council members wrote, while also castigating Abbott and Ducey for showing no regard for people who are exercising their human right to seek asylum. Republicans, so in other words, they're basically saying, hey, not my backyard. you got to do something about this, but don't send them here. Republicans who are sharply critical of the White House have barely contained their glee. Looks like Mayor Bowser is starting to feel a glimpse of what it's like to be a border community here. Uh, Republicans on the House Homeland Security Committee wrote, doesn't feel great, does it? Ducey seized on Adams' incorrect statement that Arizona was busing migrants to New York, noting it was sending them only to Washington, D.C. Mayor Adams uh, needs to get his facts straight and pay closer attention to what's really occurring because our nation's security depends on it, he wrote on Twitter. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre <laughs> said Tuesday that the administration was looking into the mayor's concerns. She said it was shameful that some governors are using migrants as political tool, as political play. And of course, the whole premise of this entire thing is political, isn't it? Isn't that why Biden is opening up the borders to allow more people to come in that he hopes, he hopes will vote a Democrat? In any event, the state of Texas has voluntarily bused more than 6,000 migrants to Washington six, mid, since mid-April as Abbott's cast himself as a counterweight to Biden on immigration, insisting that every American community is a border community. Abbott's busing is just one element of an increasingly aggressive expansion of his immigration enforcement powers in the traditional domain of U.S. government. Abbott has uh, authorized state focus this, this month to apprehend migrants and return them to the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, where Texas has spent more than $3 billion in state funds on a massive security apparatus without stemming the flow of migrants. Arizona says it's bust 1,500, excuse me, 1,151 migrants to Washington since May, about one of every four named New York at the, as their destination, about one in five say New Jersey, and many of the rest were headed to Georgia, or do we stay in Washington? The Border Patrol stopped migrants nearly 193,000 times in June, the first decline after four straight monthly increases. Those numbers hovering near the highest levels in two decades show how little impact the bus rides have on the overall migration flows. 
A pandemic-related rule denies a chance at asylum to many migrants on the ground of preventing the spread of COVID-19, but Title 42, as it is known, has been applied unevenly. Tens of thousands are released each month on humanitarian parole or with notices to appear in immigration court. Adam says New York has experienced a sharp increase in asylum seekers entering into shelters of about 2,800 people in recent weeks in the city with a legal obligation to provide high-quality aid to indigent people. He called for a probe into whether other states are directing asylum seekers to New York. In New York City, asylum seekers are fixtures at shelters as they seek out a footing in the economy. Uh, why? So uh, my question to the mayor is, well, why should you be exempt from housing some of these people since the right now on the border communities in Texas and uh, Arizona, California, that's what they're expected to do. So why shouldn't we uh, spread the joy and the glee of all this issue? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, uh, you know, we're not going to have time to get into this. I was going to go to our guest right now. So uh, coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. New Works Festival coming up, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center. Just so much news and great shows. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. T-C-A-T-O.org. So, William, I want to talk to you about what's happening on Capitol Hill, and it looks like, again, the uh, negotiations about uh, climate change and another big bill, uh, the Manchin, Joe Manchin's the foil. So what's going on? Well, yeah, as we spoke last week, um, the, the talks between Senator uh, uh, Manchin and Senate Majority Leader Schumer broke down last week. Um, and one of the things they were considering was hundreds of billions of dollars to spend on, on climate change. Um, in the immediate wake, so that very evening, Friday evening, um, President Biden took to Twitter to announce that um, because Congress won't act, that he will. And mm. I guess I'm paraphrasing there. And to that end, his administration is uh, uh, giving serious consideration to declaring a climate change national emergency, which would unlock a suite of presidential powers that, that would uh, 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 effectively allow him to, to mimic a lot of the, the measures that were in the bill that failed in the negotiations between Schumer and uh, Manchin. Um, and this is nutty stuff really for two reasons. Um, on, as a policy matter, the president has been bemoaning high gasoline prices for months now. Um, well, high gasoline prices are a climate change solution. I mean, that, that is, you know, you, you, that is the whole point behind a carbon tax, whole point behind a cap and trade is to make hydrocarbons more expensive. So it's illogical as an initial matter, given his present and ongoing concern about high gas prices. But it's also a sad commentary upon our constitutional order, um, whereby the Congress can fail to do something after much deliberation. And the president can immediately take a Twitter and announce that unilaterally through executive action, He's going to try to achieve the same thing. Um, you know, those are powers more akin to uh, a king or, you know, uh, God forbid, a dictator um, than they are for a president within the United States of America. Yeah, I mean, just to, you know, he just extended the emergency uh, declaration for the COVID around the pandemic from December. I guess it was July the 15th was set to expire. He's decided to extend that. Now he's talking about an abortion pandemic or, or ex executive orders, as well as now the climate change orders. I mean, this is just a, an effort on his part to expand his own personal powers because he's frustrated. He can't get anything done through Congress. You're exactly right. I'm glad you brought up uh, the fact that he's also mulling the abortion emergency. Um, and indeed, yes, you, the progressives, their line has been, they're all about democracy. Yeah. So it's strange that they're eschewing the legislative process in favor of executive action. Democracy will be over as we know it if, and you can fill in the blank, <laughs> it's basically, <laughs> that's the, you know, it, you could just watch the Democrats, just in my opinion, they, you, whatever they're accusing the right of doing, that's exactly what they're doing at the time, so. <laughs> I don't disagree. 
Unbelievable. So um, let's move to uh, this massive semiconductor subsidy. Uh, of course, the, the side story on this is all about uh, Pelosi. It's Paul's bill, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed, I, I do understand that her husband has some investments in this area. Um, but as a general matter, I mean, this is, again, we're dealing with some nutty stuff out of Capitol Hill. So the Senate next week is going to take up a major vote on a $250 billion bill full of subsidies for so-called critical industries, um, critical technology, primarily the semiconductor industry. Um, So it's all subsidies and giveaways. Uh, The purpose here is that we can better compete with China. Um, So does that make any sense? I mean, we're using socialism to to compete with socialism. I mean, wouldn't the power of our of our free market forces be a better way to compete with China? I mean, I would imagine as much. Um, and it's also, I'll say this, it's ridiculous in light of the fact that they're talking about more spending, yeah. um, despite the deficit you know, being above $30 trillion, and despite inflation, which was in part caused by the American Rescue Plan, um, you know, that, that uh, $2, billion, $2 trillion bill, I'm sorry, trillion is the new billion in D.C., um, that was passed in February that was a major, a significant cause of our ongoing inflation. So, Again, just from multiple angles, this thing makes no sense. Yeah, no. Well, I will say, however, that I think the Communist Chinese Party is a, is a massive criminal enterprise, international criminal enterprise. It's not necessarily a socialist government. Uh, they simply are just holding. The, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dictatorship uh, led by a few people in, in communist China. So, uh, very sad deal. So, it is, if I may just say there, I agree 100%. Foreign policy is not my bailiwick, but I believe in our system. I mean, we, we, when right. we were competing with the Russians, right. we believed in our free market system is the best way to take on a different, uh, inferior, if I might say, system, be it dictatorship or be it this uh, centralized economy. So yeah. I would just prefer if instead of um, fighting fire with fire, the, you know, that the, we've kind of relied upon um, that which has made us great for the last 250 odd years. Could not agree more. Thank you for clarifying that, William. Let's move to the House is now passing this same sex marriage bill. What's going on with that? <laughs> this seems, and again, this is a, uh, it's all well and good to be sure, but it, it, it's only a response to an opinion written by one Supreme Court justice, Justice Thomas, um, that was attended to the uh, to the Dobbs opinion. Um, so they're not the, the House in in federalizing protections for same sex marriage. They weren't responding to anything that a state had done, and they weren't responding to anything that the Supreme Court had done. I mean, it takes five votes in the Supreme Court to to, to do anything. Um, they were just responding to one opinion by Justice Thomas. So. It, it you know uh, it it does seem pointless, um, but nonetheless you know it is well and good. I mean I don't think government should be in the business of marriage to begin with, but given that it is, I mean it ought to you know it ought to treat everyone equally. Um, but it, it, symbolic, I guess, would be my my takeaway from this. I mean it doesn't achieve anything. Um, but, you know, I guess it makes people feel good. Well, it, it makes me feel good that you said that, quite frankly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, William, last question. It's about the Judiciary Committee is now passing this assault rifle ban. Has this got legs? Where is this going to go? It uh, almost assuredly nowhere. So it, it's a testament to the partisan composition of the Judiciary Committee. This thing passed through that 23 to 15. Um, but this bill has no chance in the House. Uh, Pelosi doesn't have the votes within her own caucus. Um, and of course, it would be dead on arrival in the Senate. So this, I guess, another symbolic act, and this is the work of uh, House uh, Judiciary Chairman Nadler, 
Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, if anything, it's a, a, a stark testament to the partisan composition of the Judiciary Committee that it passed with such a comfortable margin, given that it got no chance within the uh, House Democratic Caucus. Yeah, well, William, I really appreciate this commentary. Again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, the website cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Nicholas Barrett. Such an interesting story uh, Nicholas has. We're going to visit with him, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, and among other things, they create policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Right now, we have with us Nicholas Barrett. He's an inventor. Uh, he's also an entrepreneur, and he's invented this new cord brick. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Certainly my pleasure, Nick. So um, before we talk about the invention, which is really cool, I've actually installed mine now, and I'm using it. Uh, like, I understand that you are, are recovering from an addiction. Would you be willing to share your story with our listeners? Sure. Um, March 11th this year, I celebrated five years sober from alcohol. So like some, some others out there, had a drinking problem in my younger years and uh, was able to, with some family support and 
a lot of community support here in Naples. Um, so far, I've been able to stay sober since then. Well, congratulations to you. I understand you use the facility here, uh, local, the Hazeltine facility right here in Naples. That's right. Um, I had some uh, some contacts that uh, went there and found some success, and I met some great counselors and some other people, and then, of course, the community of Naples, fantastic recovery community, AA community here in Naples, unlike any other I've been around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as anyone who's been involved in recovery will tell you, it's kind of a group effort, uh, having, having those other people to, to lean on and then um, share their stories yeah. uh, and just relate to is as any as anybody in the position will tell you is is the most valuable thing absolutely uh, yesterday linda and i watched uh, uh tucker carlson today it's uh streamed on uh, uh fox nation and it, uh, the story that yesterday was one of these young people that started the uh the, the hockey story, I've forgotten the name of it now, I can't believe it, but uh, anyhow, he he went through a period of addiction, and uh, he talked about his recovery. Very moving thing, and uh, when you, you can get to the point where you've recovered, and you know, you're, you are recovering, I think it's a tremendous achievement, so congratulations to you, Nick. Let's, Thank let, you. Let's talk about Cord Brick. I mean, it, uh, I got one, uh, thanks for sending it, and uh, I'm using it now. Tell us about Cord Brick. Yeah, so transitioning from you know, getting sober and kind of getting my mind right. Um, I, it, it helped me to, you know, delve into something and start, sort of start creating something. I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. inside me, but I thought I just didn't possess the willpower, <laughs> but that, that wasn't it. Uh, you know, I just, I just hadn't looked hard enough for, you know, something that, that I was passionate about. So started creating this product and, you know, started with a simple problem of, just my cord falling off my nightstand. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like much, but you know, be in bed and uh, then go to plug your phone in, and especially when the chargers were all you know, about three feet long and plugs are against the wall. And so, you know, <laughs> uh, at night checking a text or something like that, an alert on your phone, phone charger comes out and got to get out of bed and pick it up. It wakes you up, turn the light on. So I thought, you know, how, how can I solve this? And then through to the development process, was able to kind of add some other features to it. And uh, I've been just incredibly happy with the response I've gotten from people. It's amazing for such a simple uh, product and, and problem, uh, you know, a cord holder. Uh, you'd think that I invented something even better than that. Yeah. But. No, I mean, I think to me, actually, uh, I looked at it when I first looked at it. I said, what, what can I possibly do with this? So I just followed the instructions. I do have several cords coming out of one outlet for my uh, fa- my uh, iPad, for my phone, for my uh, vibrator thing, you know, all different things that I've got. And all of a sudden, I just realized how convenient this thing is. It just get, keeps all the uh, lines from getting all tangled up and having to lean over and get one off the floor and so forth. It's pretty cool. I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite guys to listen to these days is Jordan Peterson. Uh, one of his 12 rules for life is clean your room first, right? Yeah. <laughs> so before you go out and change the world. And so, you know, uh, it's one of those things that with, uh, with these, with these cords, either they create a ton of mess all over your nightstand or desk, right. um, or they're falling on the floor. Right. So with the cord brick, it's a, a weighted device and it has no adhesive. And that's nice because you can just move it anywhere and it doesn't have to stick in a certain spot. It's will last forever. And it's just a weight, so it works with weight 
friction, gravity. So uh, it's, it's really diverse. And then it's got cool little phone uses. And, of course, I don't know if you've seen the ability to kind of take it on the go with the wrapping yeah. one or several cords, too. It's very cool. So, uh, Nick, uh, how are you marketing it? I've got a couple different ways that I'm marketing it, mostly through social media right now. Um, getting it out there in the press, of course, trying to let people know about it, but mostly through some you know, online videos. I just attended a promotional products trade show, uh, ASI in Chicago as well, because the product is really cool for logos. Um, you know, the nightstand and desktop or our prime real estate for businesses to have their logos. And it's got a great central flat area for folks to stamp their logo on it too. And I'm also getting it out there in retail stores. The you may know of the Sunshine Ace Hardware sure. group of stores here in the, the Naples, Benito Springs area. They've uh, agreed to put some cord bricks on the shelves for me, Great. and so we've got a couple more retail outlets going. So. Well, you know, I'd suggest also get in touch with uh, Michael and Dill <laughs> from my pillow. He's, yeah. he's a heck of a marketer. I think he'd love this product, so that might be another great outlet for you. What's what's the cost of the cord brick? It's eleven ninety nine for one. If you buy several more, I do quantity discounts. I do free shipping after 30 bucks too. So if you get three, ship them to you for free. Yeah, it's, it's a great deal. Again, the, the website is cordbrick.com, cordbrick.com. Really check it out. I mean, I didn't, didn't realize how handy this thing is and how it really does keep things neat, but also very, very, very convenient. You can always find the cord you're looking for. Can't tell you how many times I reach down and try and I try to follow the cord to, to a device, and I say, oh, this is, this is the one that's already being used. I have to get another one, right, <laughs> off of the floor. Thanks. Yeah, um, you know, uh, you may know pop sockets, uh, those little things that go on the back of uh, phones to hold your phone better. Uh, you know, that company is a half a billion dollar company right yeah. now. So, yeah. you know, we're looking at this as a, as a startup. I mean, I've got a lot of intellectual property and development and other products on the way. And some people I've, a lot of people I've talked to are, are very excited about the prospects of, of this company as a, a large brand. So we're looking to expand. Indeed, do you have a? Can you sh share other products you're thinking about, or probably not because it's there. It's a patent thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I can say that um, the cord brick serves as a great, uh, you know, base station for as an access point. So, due to what you know, what it already has, the weight and then the friction of the silicone, we've got some interesting intellectual property in the works for you know other small, um, you know, high value pieces that sort of attach to it, and yeah. uh, those are in the works right now. Outstanding. Well, again, I'm going to encourage our listeners, go to Cord Brick and check it out. It's really uh, kind of cool. Also, uh, congratulations to Nick uh, Barrett for uh, being in recovery, and uh, also a little shout-out to Hazeltine right here in the uh, Naples Paradise uh, Coast community as a great place, to, as a contact for uh, dealing with, with these issues. Nick, always appreciate your commentary here. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Phil Kirpin. Phil is the uh, president of American Commitment, such an interesting organization. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Phil Kirpin. Phil is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you. Thank you, Phil. Tell us about American Commitment. We're a national free market advocacy group. We work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues, and we try to focus on, uh, at any given time, the fight that's on the margin, where a little bit more citizen education and engagement might make the outcome and tip, uh, might tip the outcome in a more free market direction. And all our stuff is on AmericanCommitment.org. AmericanCommitment.org is the website. Check it out. So uh, your, your latest piece, Democrats want to raid Medicare to pay for Obamacare again. Kind of chilling. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, well, of course, you know, the Build Back Better plan started as, you know, a five or six trillion dollar grab bag of every insane left-wing idea uh, that they've ever dreamed of. And, you know, the giveaways to the trial lawyers and the unions and the Green New Deal spending and the tax hikes and just it was just everything you know the government takeover of preschools I mean it was everything and uh, it's been whittled down uh, a lot uh, and as of the last week Joe Manchin pulled the plug on the global warming title and on the tax title and Chuck Schumer announced that he's moving forward with a, a so-called health care only version uh 
of the reconciliation bill or of you know the remnants of Build Back Better, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, supposedly they're going to be on the Senate floor with this uh, the week after next. So the the final week before the August recess, they're hoping to actually pass this. And what what the what it is, uh, it's essentially two things. One is a an extension of supersized Obamacare subsidies, and this was something they did. When the pandemic hit, uh, they massively increased the amount of Obamacare subsidies as well as the income limits for who could qualify. So even wealthier people can get, uh, you know, taxpayers to pick up the tab for their Obamacare subsidies. And uh, they want to make that. They want to make it permanent. Uh, they're not, I think, in this bill going to actually make it permanent, but they're going to extend it for two years, which. Is interesting because Manchin said repeatedly throughout this debate that he wouldn't vote for temporary spending for a program that's intended to be permanent because it's a gimmick to hide the true cost. Uh, but he appears uh, poised to do that anyway. Hmm. Uh, the insurance companies are spending a fortune on ads everywhere saying that, oh, you know, to make health care affordable, they need to extend subsidies, even though, of course, these huge subsidies have done the opposite of that. They've made health care completely unaffordable because they flow right through into premium increases. Uh, the only real beneficiaries are the shareholders of the health insurance companies. Uh, of course, they've done very well over the last you know, 12 years of Obamacare, and you know, the bigger the subsidies, the, be the better they do. But it's not clear that anyone else really benefits much from that. And uh, the way they pay for extending the supersized Obamacare subsidies is they use Medicare as a piggy bank. In particular, they use Medicare prescription drug benefits as a piggy bank, and they uh, impose pretty draconian price controls on the uh, Medicare prescription drug program. Uh, essentially, the, the secretary of HHS will uh, tell drug companies what the price will be that Medicare will pay for prescription drugs, and uh, if the company disagrees with that price, they get taxed. 95% of all of their sales of that product. Wow. Uh, which, uh, which of course, is the expected to raise zero uh, because you, you can't say no to the government price with the threat of that tax. And so it will, it will in fact, um, you know, it will, in fact, reduce what Medicare pays for prescription drugs because of the heart and you know, the heavy-handed nature of the price control. Uh, but if you do that, if you do that to siphon, you know, $287 billion out of Medicare drug spending, which is what the CBO score is of these provisions, I think the vast majority of people with even a little bit of common sense get that seniors are not going to have access to the same drugs. And, uh, you know, you're going to have, first of all, you're going to have fewer drugs developed because you're sort of undercutting the market incentive for them. But even when a blockbuster new drug is developed, there's going to be a huge disincentive uh, to make it available to Medicare. And so what you're going to have is you're going to have, I, I think, when a lot of new drugs are developed, they're not going to be available to Medicare. People have to pay out of pocket because if you, put, if you sell into Medicare, the government gets to set the price. And so uh, I believe if you take you know, $287 billion out of Medicare drug spending, seniors are going to be hurt very much by that in terms of their access to drugs. Uh, but that's, you know, they, they, somebody has convinced the Democrats that it's a huge political uh, win, a great mm -hmm. idea to raid almost $300 billion out of Medicare to send to the insurance companies as Obamacare subsidies. Um, it reminds me a lot of the way they financed Obamacare in the first place when they originally passed it, which was extraordinarily unpopular. Right. So I think it's crazy that they're doing this, uh, but 
they appear to have all 50 Senate Democrats agreed. So they really see this happen so, week so, after next. So let me, uh, just a couple of comments. First of all, Obamacare itself is not that. I think it's only got five or ten million people enrolled in Obamacare. Yeah, I don't know what the latest is. It's not. It's not that high. But you know, it. You know, when you, when you send these massive subsidies in to force up the premiums, uh, you know, it, it. It actually will. Uh, it actually will cause a lot of people to lose their employer-provided coverage because uh, if you've got a lot more people who are going to have taxpayers pick up the tab for their premiums if they're in the uh, exchanges. Then you, an employer can say, "Look, we're going to drop our coverage. You're going to be better off. You're going to not get to pay anything. It's going to be you're going to qualify for all these subsidies." And so, uh, it, it actually it will actually increase by by a couple of million the number of people who are in the exchanges because they will lose their employer coverage if this passes. Uh, unbelievable. And uh, as I understand it, the subsidies go up to well over a couple hundred thousand dollars of income if you have quali- you can qualify for Obamacare subsidies if your income is even up to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they really raised the roof on it with these supersized uh, subsidies, which is one of the reasons it's you know it's really insane that Democrats uh, you know are all lining up to do this. I mean, yeah. even the notional beneficiaries in many cases are uh, you know pretty pretty well well off, uh, ignoring the fact that as I said, the real beneficiary is the insurance companies. So remember, people don't touch this money; it goes directly to the insurance companies, and it enables them to raise premiums. And, you know, the, the way that they're describing this whole thing, which is, you know, we've got to pass this or else premiums are going to go up and it's going to be horrible. And it's like, well, no, no. what's been driving premiums up for the past 10 years is the knowledge that for most of their customers, they don't pay at all when the premium gets higher because taxpayers pick up the marginal dollar. And mm-hmm. so there's a huge incentive um, from this whole structure from keeping these subsidies flowing to, to raise premiums. And over the last couple of years, during COVID, claims were down dramatically because people didn't want to go to the hospital. They didn't want to go to the doctor. And so utilization of our health system was actually at record lows during the pandemic. Premiums should have come down a lot. And for most people, they didn't come down at all, or maybe a couple of dollars, or they were flat, or they were even up uh, over the last couple of years. And so, you know, I I think the real question is, uh, you know, why aren't premiums much lower without throwing massive amounts of additional subsidy? And I think it's because the whole idea of having these heavily regulated, heavily subsidized products is incompatible with a functioning market where prices come down when utilization goes down, and it guarantees you have forever higher prices. And that's why, you know, if the if if Republicans were smart, they would not just vote no on this, but they would actually campaign on it. They mm-hmm. would say what a terrible idea this is, what the Democrats are doing, and that we've got much better alternatives. You know, supersized HSAs, other things that give people control instead of just handing money to insurance companies. So I think there's a big opportunity on this. Uh, But, you know, look, if if, if the Democrats all agree and they want to do it, we can't stop them. It will pass. The best we can do is hold them accountable. Wow. That's that's just a scary... uh, I I recall the day when we were concerned about Medicare running out of money. So this is very concerning to plan on robbing uh, 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 Medicare in order to take care of uh, Obamacare subsidies. Uh, Phil, what can we do to support your efforts? Well, you know, you can contact your, uh, your your member of Congress and your senators and make this case to them. And even if they're even if they're Republicans who are going to vote right on this, uh, you know, make sure they understand the way to talk about it and the way to advocate and uh, you know to be aggressive on this and to to maybe make it you know too difficult politically for the Democrats to actually do it because 
Uh, that's the only way we stop it, and it's coming It's coming quick. All right. Well, with the midterms coming up, perhaps it'll be an impactful message coming from our listeners. So, again, Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment, the website AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell. Larry is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and an author. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books. His latest, it's out now, it's Architectures Beyond Boxes, and Boundaries, My Life by Design. Professor Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thank you so much. Always having me on. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, look, always look forward to the conversations. And uh, Professor Bell writes a column, well, at least once a week, a couple of times a week. Uh, it's called On Point. You can find it on Newsmax.com. His latest is Legacy Media Blind to Bad Optics of Biden's Soft on China Policies. Well, you really lay it all out in the column, Professor. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this is a time when uh, a lot of, and I, I've, I've written a recent series on this topic of a whole lot of so-called coincidences that are hard to reconcile regarding, uh, you know, the Biden 
crime family, you know, influence peddling stuff and and policies. And you can put you can point to Ukraine and Prisma, where Hunter had a board seat with them, and same time that uh, ends withholding, you know, U.S. money uh, uh, subject to their firing of the the prosecutor that's pursuing. Burisma and 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 other you know other connections with the wife of the former Moscow mayor me from that and so on. But what is particularly troubling, I think, at this time is is our deals with China. Mm -hmm. uh, Very large payouts that are documented uh, came from various. China-connected organizations. Worse than that, uh, organizations connected really with the Chinese Communist Party wound up in uh, Biden, Biden family bank accounts. And uh, at a time when of, of particular local, recent interest is this, you know, we just, uh, our Department of Energy just released 900,000 barrels of oil from our strategic petroleum reserve. China, uh, it, was, it was like a fifth or sixth of our reserve, was sold to China, which in, in the idea of raiding the strategic petroleum reserve, as presented to us, was that it was going to Ease uh, pain at the plate at the uh, gas pumps. Well, right. why would we be sending uh, all that oil to China? To uh, China, but it's worse than that. Why, mean, would the, why would the Department of Energy sell an oil to a company where Hunter Biden, through the HR uh, company that he had, and then Another company trails into that. Uh, they had made a sizable investment in that company, $0.7 billion stake, uh, investment stake seven years ago. One of one of 10 foreign companies, was, it was, and there were 12 out of 126 foreign bids that the Department of Energy uh, sent out. Well, one of those which is really one in 10, was to a, a, a company where, where Biden had a major investment. Yeah. And uh, why would the Department of Energy not have vetted that at the time to see that certainly is the appearance conflict of interest? And uh, there are a lot, number of other uh, matters as well that really uh, bear uh, a lot of curiosity. Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy, but it seems to me that the behavior of the Biden administration and what's happening with the pay-to-play types of arrangements that we're talking about right now, he seems to me think that, you know, we'll get away with it because it's happened so many times and the bar just gets lower and lower in terms of how they're trying to guard the fact that these transactions are occurring. And it's really criminal, quite frankly, that, that impeachable, not only impeachable, but perhaps uh, it's uh, a matter of treason to uh, be selling 
our reserves, first of all, to even sell them to any foreign country, but to sell them especially to China and to a connection through Hunter Biden uh, is uh, criminal, in my opinion. Well, why would, you know, we can, we can look at the White House and we can look at Joe Biden and so on. How did the FBI cover up under his laptop they had on for 18 months? Mm-hmm. All this incriminating stuff that was in the laptop uh, throughout the election period. And, and uh, you know, the Pfizer, the Pfizer reports that were doctored, you know, that, that got Hillary off the hook. And uh, have this, you know, we have this justice system. The terrifying thing to me is the Department of Energy would have vetted this. Why would they, why are we selling, why are we selling our oil to China? Yeah. And then much less to a company connected with, with Hunter Biden. Uh, the optics, not just of the Bidens, but of our whole government administration, you know, the relaxation, I mentioned some other things, the relaxation of the uh, the China initiative that was uh, established by the Trump administration to had to do with curbing uh, China espionage. And that was that was relaxed after was uh, relaxed after Biden took why hasn't uh, why hasn't COVID been investigated in terms of mm-hmm. everybody knows at this point that it was based to a to a laboratory in, in Wuhan, but you know that 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 was killed. Why are we are we getting involved with these these uh, electric vehicle uh, windmill uh, uh, solar and uh, sunbeam stuff? All relies on rare earth materials from China, yeah, and and on on and on and on, and it's just a feeling of if either things are incredibly criminal, or you know the optics at least are terrible yeah. in terms of kind of banana republic have we become absolutely and in fact uh, i understand the uh, investigation to hunter biden's taxes and the other events from the uh, uh the uh, uh investigator from delaware I understand that's coming to a head when do you want to make a bet that it's going to be a slap on the wrist and it's not going to really cover the stuff that hunter's been up to well great fear i think is that is that they will come up with some kind of deal they'll seize the re- seal the records ah like you say, they'll give them a slap on the wrist, and then they'll seal the records again to protect Joe, hmm. uh, or and, and more broadly the Democrats. I, I think that's a broad fear, and it's, it's it's a real one. I think on the hand we also see things that I mean, it could be that uh, you know a lot of a lot of the justice uh, investigations will wait until after the midterms when. Hopefully the Republicans flip some of these oversight committees, both in the Senate and the House, open up this stuff because Garland isn't going to do anything. We know that. Yeah. And uh, so maybe it's a matter of being these things on ice until, until maybe there's a window of justice future we can only hope uh from your lips to god's ear again larry bell endowed professor at the university of houston his book architectures beyond boxes and boundaries my life by design i'm really looking forward to read it got it i know it's coming in 
And uh, just to encourage you to take a look at Newsmax.com and check out Professor Bell's column, On Point. You'll find it on Newsmax.com. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Bob. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did and learned a lot. Uh, I hope you'll join us uh, on Monday. We'll visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of uh, HistoryCentral.com. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. I hope you're making a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>